Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide, and CatScan from Proactive Risk. Hi, this is Mark Miller with OWASP 24-7. Today we're continuing our series of interviews with prospective board candidates for the OWASP board. Today we've got Bill Corey from Luxembourg in Europe. Morning, Bill. Good morning. And then we have Josh Sokol in Austin, Texas. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Hey, everybody. So let's see, Europe and Texas. It seems like a big dichotomy here. We should have a fun time. The first thing that I'd like to do, Bill, I want to start with you. Can you give people a background on your work with OWASP? What have you been working on? Uh, in the last uh, couple of years, I've been working on the governance for OWASP. Uh, right now, actually, I'm involved in changing some wording on how many meetings the uh, board of directors have to attend. Uh, otherwise, it triggers a vote of confidence. And so I've, you know, you know, just yesterday, and I'm reading through it right now, uh, people's opinions from the board and proposing new text to our bylaws. Are you affiliated with any specific chapter? That's a good question. We have a chapter here in Luxembourg, but and it's part of the Benelux area, which is Belgium, Luxembourg, and Netherlands, but they don't meet regularly. Instead, what happens is one of the three countries hosts an annual conference, and that's the amount of activity. Well, Belgium has monthly meetings or at least semi-periodic uh, meetings, but uh, Luxembourg, we don't. We just we do the annual event. Josh, uh, give us the background. You've been with OWASP quite a while, right? Yeah, so I've been involved with OWASP for, I want to say, about eight and a half, nine years now. Um, I've been involved in you know pretty much any facet, everything from um, you know I started up uh, working with the OWASP Austin chapter and just kind of helping to make rooms uh, for meetings and things like that, reservations. Uh, from there, I ended up taking over as president of the Austin chapter. Uh, from there, I ended up handing that over to somebody else, and I began serving on the Global Chapters Committee. And then uh, just under two years ago, I got elected to the OWASP Global Board of Directors, and I've, uh, I've had a, an interesting time with that, and uh, interesting enough and exciting enough that I decided to run again for a second term. I think that leads to my first question, Josh, and that would be, you've already been there, you've already done this, why are you running again? Yo, know, I'm running again for a lot of the same reasons that I ran the first time. Um, you know, in general, I care about OWASP. Um, you know, I've been active from a chapter perspective for almost nine years, and, you know, when I originally uh, started getting involved with OWASP, um, I saw a lot of things kind of going sideways with policies that would affect my ability to do my job as a chapter leader and so you know originally I kind of volunteered for the chapter committee and then some things happened and the committees were eliminated and so you know I found myself literally without a voice in OWASP and you know a lot of it was just pinging the board hey you guys should do this you should do this and it, it got to a point where it was either you know put up or shut up uh, and so I basically decided you know I'm, I'm it's time for me uh, to run for the board and I ran for the board and you know I, I really felt that our chapters needed someone 
um, you know, with, with a strong passion for OWASP, with a strong passion for the chapters that could represent their interests without being held accountable to, you know, some sort of a vendor that sells security products or services or things like that. Bill, you being in Europe, it, it's interesting. Why are you running? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in OWASP for many, many years, and I've actually run for the board of directors now. I think this is my third year running. Uh, and while I've never been elected, I've, uh, I keep running because I, am, I, I see OWASP with so much potential, and then I'm at times very disappointed by some of, especially in the past, with some of the decisions that were made. And so originally that's why I started running is because I wanted to change some things. Uh, but in the last few years, the board makeup has completely changed, and we have people like Josh on it now who uh, have really turned things around. So now my interest in running is, is more from the standpoint that I would just like to have a vote at the table and, and bring the ideas that I have uh, to it and know that, you know, because I'm on the board, uh, it carries a lot more weight. I real, real quick, I was going to say, to Bill's credit, he's actually done an amazing job on the, the governance uh, list and trying to help us uh, as a board to create some new policies and things like that. And he's uh, proposed a couple of text changes to the bylaws that the board has adopted. Um, so he's he's had a level of involvement that goes you know far beyond kind of our average leader um, for you know at least the past year or so from what I've seen. Uh, thanks, Josh. Also, I, I just wanted to quickly mention, you know, it's interesting because when you were thinking of running for the board, uh, you brought up on the governance list that there were some requirements for the board, such as attending in person, that personally would keep you from wanting to run on the board. And so, you know, I, I thought that was really good. And, and we made a change, which is now being discussed to maybe revert it, but we made a change to the bylaws so that that in-person meeting wasn't going to be required anymore. And I, I think it's important. I mean, that's why I'm involved in governance is because we have people like Josh who contribute a lot to the community, but then when the rules are not set up right, I mean, that's a big problem uh, because then it keeps people who could contribute quite a bit from participating. And I know one of the questions from the community was about volunteerism. I don't know if we'll get to it today, but that's that's an issue, right, if, if we have rules that, that discourage people. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's been a, a heated discussion, to say the least, uh, amongst the board members and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I was actually, uh, you know, three years ago or so, I petitioned the board to get that uh, clause removed from the bylaws because I felt like as a global organization, um, an organization made up of so many different cultures, members from different you know, areas of the world, that it wasn't a reasonable expectation to say all board members have to make a meeting in person. Um, and with technology these days, it doesn't really make sense for us to have to you know, go to one place and meet up and actually you know, make that thing happen in person. We've got things like Skype and we've got you know, Google Hangouts and whatever. There's a, a hundred different ways that we can communicate that don't involve us all being in the same room together and it doesn't make us any less effective at doing our job as a board member. The argument, though, on the flip side, Josh, is that an in-person meeting once or twice a year uh, should be mandated because the interpersonal relationships that happen when you're in the same room with somebody, when you're actually together for two days as opposed to an hour or a two-hour Skype call, allows you to get much more done. 
You know, I I would say that I agree to a sense, right? And and there's certainly you know opportunities for the interpersonal relations, and you know, let's go have a drink at the bar or whatever. But at the end of the day, this is OWASP. It, we're we're trying to form an organization, and so me having drinks with you know Jim Manico should have no effect on the decisions that I make as a board member. I'm elected to the board because I represent a certain section of the OWASP leadership of the OWASP population, and they feel like my ideas kind of jive with their thoughts of what OWASP should be. So you know sitting down and having drinks to, you know, drinks with another board member only perpetuates this whole ivory tower stereotype of the OWASP board. We should each have our own opinions. We should go into it, you know, holding our ideals, um, you know, sacred to us. And, you know, that kind of, you know, after the, after the meeting kind of, you know, getting together really shouldn't have any effect on that. Um, so I, I would tend to kind of disagree with that. Now, what I will say, and, and, this is probably the better argument, is, you know, going to events like AppSec USA are a great way to meet members of the community and to talk about OWASP and things like that, but I don't think it has to be AppSec USA. As long as you're active in the security community, there's no reason for us to say, you have to go to AppSec USA to the in-person board meeting. You know, that, that doesn't really help us any. But, you know, me, for example, I was out at uh, Black Hat last, uh, last month and um, B-Sides Las Vegas last month, and I was sitting at the OWASP table. You know, I was talking with other leaders of OWASP. Um, you know, I was talking to other people who were coming by, and they wanted to find out about OWASP. You know, that's how we build the community. It's not all about who's here, who knows about AppSec USA, who has the privilege of being able to attend. It's about getting out there and, and promoting OWASP amongst the community, not just those people who are already involved with OWASP. Bill, what's your position on that? Oh, I, well, I was just going to say, you know, the, the, <laughs> the I know what the bylaws say because I, I wrote them. And uh, uh, it, it just said, it, what it suggests is that the board members should make a best effort to attend at least one meeting in person per year. Uh, and what I just brought up on the list when we're, because there's some talk about maybe making it a requirement is that we don't, you know, the board of directors doesn't have that many in-person meetings to choose from. So if you only offer one or two a year and it happens to be that that particular weekend is you're sick, you're on vacation, there's, you know, a family emergency, it seems rather unfair then to, you know, penalize the particular board member because life happened. And, and so I, I think it's perfect where it's at where, you know, it's a best effort if you can make it and, and it works in with everything else going on in your life, then that's great. If not, you know, we have, obviously we're using Skype right now. Skype works great. There's other products. I, it seems like we're in a world where communication is pretty easy. I don't think someone has to physically travel to attend one particular meeting. And yeah. I don't know if that one particular meeting would help all that much anyways in person. I, I would even take a step further, and I would say the people who do have the privilege of being able to attend those meetings, uh, you know, going to AppSec USA or AppSec EU or whatever, are the people who do work for vendors that sell security products and security services, and it's way easier for them to get those permissions for time off or time away, um, even paid travel and things like that, because 
they're a part of that. I don't. I work for National Instruments. I do security. I run the security program there. So for me to tell my boss, hey, I have to get off work so that I can go to this meeting over in, you know, wherever, I mean, he's going to look at me like, your job is to be here at NI. But that doesn't prevent me from doing OWASP things. I can certainly call into a, you know, hour meeting, two-hour meeting, even a half-day meeting, and it doesn't affect my ability to do work. But if you're telling me I have to be there for a board meeting, that means that I have a day of travel before, I have a day of travel afterwards. It's hard for me to get that kind of time off. That said, I'll be out at AppSec USA this year. So, you know, I, I try and make time when I can, but it certainly does not affect my ability to actually do my job as a board member. And I would feel like we're doing a, a huge disservice to the rest of the community and to other people who are interested in participating on the board if we were to change that. Mm -hmm. I want to move the discussion into an area, and that's the idea in the email list about uh, the ring fencing of finances, the chapters versus the projects. Bill, can you, uh, off the top of your head, could you give us kind of an idea? First of all, let's define what is ring fencing of finances. Sure. So the, the issue at hand is that the chapters have funds that have either through donations, memberships, fundraising, uh, that are assigned to the chapter, and so the chapter gets to spend the funds for their for their purposes, and it means that the national organization is not able to then reallocate those funds for other purposes because they've been ring fenced for the purpose of the chapter. Now the chapter could agree to share those funds or spend them within the organization if they wanted to. Uh, the The controversy is that uh, people are looking at the funds sitting there and saying, well, there's all this money that isn't being used and we should repurpose it to things that promote uh, the OWASP mission rather than having it just sit there unused. Josh, as a major chapter leader in Austin, it seems to me that you would have more funds than a smaller type metropolitan area. What's your position on that? Are those the chapter funds? Should there be some kind of distribution uh, other than with your chapter? Yeah, so um, I, I guess the thing to realize is when I took over as leader of the OWASP Austin chapter, we had less funds than probably the majority of the chapters out there. We certainly weren't one of these, you know, quote, rich chapters um, when I started the chapter. And what I came to realize is that as a chapter leader, I didn't really feel empowered to innovate. Um, and the reason why was because every time I had an idea that, that I felt would further our chapter, that, that would attract more members to us and things like that, I had to go back to the foundation. I had to say, hey, I have this idea. You know, can I get money for it? And you know, some of the time the answer was yes. Like you know, if it was, hey, we want to buy food for a meeting, it was like, yeah, we can do that. Um, and some of the time the answer was no. And I felt like my hands were a little bit tied behind my back in terms of being able to make the chapter the best it could be. And what we ended up doing is uh, myself and James Wickett, the former chapter president, um, we ended up uh, deciding that we were going to put on a conference. And so we busted our butts for well over a year, um, booked a, a facility, promoted the, co the conference. Um, we created a conference called LASCON, the Lone Star Application Security Conference. 
And that is the reason why the OWASP Austin chapter has money, is we put on a successful conference, we're able to attract many more people to it, um, it accomplished a couple things. One, we had uh, sponsors and things like that that actually got engaged with the OWASP chapter. Two, we had members that were uh, not actual paid OWASP members before, but as a result of LastCon, they're now paid members. And then three, OWASP's core mission is one of education. And so by throwing a conference in our region, we're able to accomplish that mission and, and spread it way more than we do at our average chapter meeting. Um, and so, you know, we, we grew through that. And then by having those funds, by gaining the money from LASCON, we were able to, you know, we suddenly had money where we could innovate. And so we started a, a, um, a video project where we started pulling uh, all of our chapter meetings. We started recording those. Um, and we create a video library that literally rivals that of the OWASP Media Project because every LASCOM presentation is recorded and all of our chapter meetings are recorded. So, you know, from my perspective, I don't think that this is really an issue of how funds come in. I think that every chapter, every project should have as many opportunities available to them as possible to bring money in. The question is really about how the money gets spent and is that money actually getting, you know, going back out or is somebody just holding on to that money? When the funds are brought into the Austin chapter, are all funds the 60-40 split with OWASP, or are you keeping 100% and only doing a 60-40 split on membership? Uh, actually, neither. So there, there's the 60-40 split on membership. So OWASP gets 60, we get 40. Um, but in terms of profit from the actual conference, uh, a year or two ago, I want to say, um, the board changed the split on uh, regional and local events, and the split is 90-10. So the local chapter or the multiple chapters that are throwing the event, they get 90 Ninety percent of the funds, the OWASP Foundation gets ten percent of the funds, and that helps to cover you know things like the billing of the event and you know um, taking money in and things like that, um, insurance and whatnot. So the chapters end up getting the majority of that. Now that split should be very different for something like AppSec USA or AppSec EU, where it's you know an OWASP event that the local chapter is helping to run versus an event that's almost entirely put on by the local chapter. Bill, one of the proposals that is coming up from other potential board members is that a chapter should sponsor a project or projects financially. Have you talked about that any? My concerns, just off the top of my head, my concerns are what if the chapter doesn't have much in the way of funds? Uh, we have some chapters that, you know, like in Luxembourg here, they only meet once a year and so there's not a lot of you know, financial, and, and the number of members is low. So I don't know what they would be sponsoring other than maybe sandwiches or something for a project. <laughs> so, I, Well, with, with over $500,000 in excess funds, it seems like, and I'm just talking off the top of my head here, it seems as if a chapter could say, we want to help finance this project and go to the coffers of OWASP and request money that way. Is that a legitimate alternative? I'm, I'm with Josh in that I, I believe that the problem that everyone's bringing up is around stale funds. And if we have funds that are stale, that are not being used, then you know we're obligated as a nonprofit to use the funds that we have for the benefit of the mission of the of the organization, so if we have stale funds, and we need to identify those and use them. 
We also have an obligation to make sure that funds that are being spent are being spent in a way that's consistent with our with our mission, so that people are not you know throwing wild parties and uh, and it's just for their own personal benefit. So I mean it's two sides of the same coin. Uh, so I think you know as long as the chapters can demonstrate that they're using their funds and the funds are being used for the mission of OWASP, I think then it's their funds that I think the chapter should be you know they should they should be empowered to spend those funds as they want. It doesn't make any sense to alienate chapters, uh, you know, unless we don't want chapters and just want to have a national organization. Sure, Josh, what's your thoughts on? projects being adopted by chapters yeah so i would say um if you want to know my my whole kind of vision on the ring fence uh funds discussion and whatnot um on august 23rd i put a post both both the OWASP board of directors list and the uh, OWASP governance list and i kind of highlight um the background of the issue and then i actually have a proposal for this as well um in terms of this uh, specific proposal i i wasn't aware of this either um but i would say absolutely not um and the reason why is because um, by forcing a chapter, and, and Bill made a great point that you know not all chapters have money. In fact, it, it's actually a fairly small, you know, maybe a dozen or so that have a significant amount of funds. Um, but by forcing chapters to donate money to projects, we're just perpetuating this issue. And the the issue ends up being okay. Let's say OWAS Austin donates a thousand dollars to you know Zap, right? Well, Zap already has eleven thousand plus dollars in their account already. So what do we just do? We just move funds from one bank account that belonged to a chapter to another project that had funds that wasn't already spending those funds. So in my view, this just perpetuates the issue. We're, we're moving money around from one bank account to another. What we need to do instead is to focus on initiatives. Um, and so you know, instead of saying, I'm going to donate X dollars to Zap, Zap is going to say, hey, we have this initiative. We want to hire a dude who's going to create this awesome infographic about how Zap can be used to you know, test websites for security vulnerabilities. And we need $1,000 to make this happen. Who can donate to this? Right? And then at that level, me as a chapter leader can be like, that sounds awesome. I use Zap. My people use Zap. Um, we should donate. You know, let's, let's donate $1,000 to that initiative. That's how we get funds moving at OWASP, not by moving money from one bank account to another. It's by donating to a cause, donating to an idea that somebody has that makes sense to our community, that's going to help our community. That, that brings up the question then, Josh, specifically about accessibility to funds. And there has been a huge discussion based upon a couple podcasts I did last month on people not understanding or following the processes for getting funds and then complaining that it's hard to get funds. Uh, are you of the position that funds are readily available and it's easy access to them? Um, you know, I... I... I would say that my experience as a chapter leader is that, yes, funds are readily available. Um, we have the OWAS um, community engagement funding buckets that don't get used, or, or at least historically have not gotten used up over the course of a year. So there are funds that are out there that are accessible. Um, so I don't think that that's an issue. Now, what I've heard, and, and this hasn't been my personal experience, but I've heard some people within OWASP don't have the money to be able to 
expend something on their personal credit card and then request a reimbursement back. And so, you know, something like that, I can understand where they would come, that issue would come across as I don't have access to, you know, funds. Um, the, the, I guess, flip side for that or the solution for that is if you have that problem, talk to somebody on the OWASP staff, talk to, to Kate or, you know, somebody like that, talk to Paul and say, hey, I need to pay for this thing. Can you help me? And we have an OWASP credit card that they can use to charge that thing and make it happen. Um, and I had a, a chapter leader um, that, that expressed this issue to me um, a few days back. And I said, look, dude, if you, need, if you have some sort of a need that's within the bounds of OWASP and it, it's justified for spending, let me know. I'll pay for it on my personal credit card and I'll request the reimbursement. You know, it takes less than a week. I get a check in the mail. I deposit it into my bank. I, I get paid back before the credit card statement ever comes. I've never personally had that issue, um, but I understand that, that there are others in the community who say that they have. Bill, the, the issue that I am hearing along this line is that they are, the process is not transparent. And I just heard what Josh said about, you know, contact specific people, but that's not a process. Do you know of a process or would you support the documentation of a process for uh, requesting funds? A, a mature organization is going to have a process by which these types of things are handled. I, I think when we see these issues come up, actually quite frequently, what it means is that we just have gaps. And you know, being a volunteer organization, other than uh, a few paid staff, it, it, it's going to be an issue. So it, it would behoove us to just take these pain points. It sounds like you've actually collected a lot of these. It'd be good just to capture them all and, and form a committee or a volunteer effort to just start wiping them out. One of the reasons I got involved in the governance of OWASP was because it was the area I saw the most lacking. There's we have people who are volunteering for all our projects, but just running the running the organization also takes effort. And uh, you know, another problem we have obviously is there's a few people who are somewhat toxic that are in the in the community and they just stick around for years and years and we have no good process to, you know, make a definitive action like what should we do and 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 things just never seem to get resolved and then we just have these ongoing conversations i feel like year after year we're having the same conversation it just it'd be nice to sort of sit down and figure out what the right answer is and it may not make everybody happy but at least we'll have something on paper and we can just follow it i'm going to correct my statement real real quick mark so um me saying to talk to Kate or talk to Paul is specifically with respect to the people who say, I can't charge this to my personal card. That's an exception to the rule, right? The process is already well-defined, um, and if you look at the OWASP Community Engagement Funding page, it defines what the expenses are that are acceptable. It defines how to request those funds, um, what that process looks like in terms of reimbursement. There's actually a form. It's, it's not contact an individual person. It is go to this page, submit this information, attach your receipt, hit submit, and then you end up getting that check in the mail, or I think they even have the ability to wire funds. 
So there is actually a well-defined process around how to request funds and how to receive it. It's the exceptions that we have difficulty handling. It's the people who say, oh, you know, I can't accept a, a check and I can't accept a wire transfer. Or it's the people who say, I can't charge this to my personal card. Those are exceptions to the rule and we need to figure out how to handle those exceptions. Let's move on to the topic of project funding. We have a page where we can find out very quickly how much funds are available to each project. And when you look at that, many projects don't have any funds at all. First of all, is it a problem because project leaders don't need or want funding? Or do they not know it's available? And second of all, are there limitations that are stopping people from requesting the funding because they don't think it's worth it? Uh, Bill, uh, any ideas on that? I've never led a project at OWASP. I've participated in a variety of them. So I, I can't speak to why they may or may not request funds. If you look at, if you look at the different projects that OWASP has, I mean, it's got a ton of them. Uh, you know, obviously some of them have more funding needs than others. Uh, one of the things that I think would be helpful for the organization is, you know, obviously people have, you know, they provide their, a lot of the volunteers are in the security space. And so they, they have that expert advice and knowledge that they can contribute to OWASP to create materials. But they may not necessarily be graphic artists who can create logos, editors that can proofread, and on and on and on. It would be, you know, and since a lot of these projects have similar needs along those lines, it seems like we could make it easy, everyone, everyone's life a little easier by providing those types of resources for when projects reach certain milestones. Like, you know, now this is a, you know, it's reached a level where we need a logo. Well, then perhaps OWASP can provide that logo for them. Jeff? Um, so I want to say that the idea that projects don't have funds is a misnomer. Um, just because a project or a chapter for that matter has a zero dollar balance or in some cases negative, which confuses the heck out of me, um, it, it doesn't mean that there aren't funds, that they can't do things because they have no money. Um, if you look at the OWASP uh, Foundation budget, there's actually something like ten to $15,000 per quarter uh, that's allocated towards the community funding bucket for projects alone and there's additional funds for chapters as well. So there is money available, um, and the, the leaders of these projects just need to um, decide what initiatives they have, what things they want to fund, and request those funds. Uh, it, it shouldn't be a difficult process. It, it's you know not anything that would prevent somebody from doing the things that they need to do. You know unless maybe we're talking about a hundred thousand uh, dollar summit or something like that. That might get you know a little dicey because that's outside of the budget. But we'll figure that one out. Um, in terms of individual projects, individual chapters, just because their their money reads zero, it doesn't mean that there isn't money available. It just means that they didn't go out, they didn't raise the money in order to make that read something else. They didn't throw a last con like the OWAS Austin chapter had um, to bring in those funds. Um, I do want to say that my proposal that I put out a few days ago, um, my idea was that anyone can budget for the future, meaning that if you're a chapter or a project and your account balance reads zero and you have an idea on something that you want to execute next year, you just put that into your own budget. You submit that to the OWASP Foundation uh, ED and the, the board of directors and you say, I would like for this to be included in next year's budget. 
And if it makes sense to do that, if it's a you know something that matches with the OWASP mission and code of ethics and whatnot, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. Um, you know, some of the issues come in where somebody has an idea and they're like, "I want to do this," and you know, maybe there's their idea costs too much and there isn't money available for that. But we can plan for the future. And so my idea was, if you have an idea, if you have an initiative that you want to accomplish, let's treat it just like a business and let's budget for that and get into the global budget and then make sure the funds are available. As you're running for the board here, Bill, what would be the first issue that you would want to tackle? What's your your main pain point that you're seeing that you want to tackle first? Well, because the area of OWASP that I spend the most time in is governance for me, that's the area that I have the most interest in, in improving. Uh, so uplifting our bylaws, uh, improving the processes within the organization, um, you know, those types of activities. So that the, the organization, I think, would, I think where a lot of the frustration comes in the community, if you look at their complaints, is, is, the, is not understanding how everything works. And so... Uh, not having things documented for, for the longest time. Even the bylaws mentioned uh, a process for the elections, and when you clicked on the link, it went to a Google Documents page that nobody had access to look at. Uh, so, you know what I mean? It's those types of things where there's small things, right? They, they're, but they're, they're things that are important just when you have a professional organization and you want to attract people to come give their money, give their time, give their energy. You, you, the small things matter uh, as far as making sure that you put on a good appearance. And so that's the area that I'm, I'm most interested in uh, working on. Josh, what's your big one? You know, I'm going to take a liberty here. I'm going to amend your question to what issue am I going to tackle next um, since I am currently on the board of directors. And for me, it's this issue of the, of the funds, of, you know, the stagnant funds or, you know, the the uh, ring fence funds, if you will. Um, this is something that, that I'm very passionate about just because of where I sit within the OWASP Austin chapter. And, the you know, this is a big issue. And, and I sat on the podcast a, a few weeks back with you talking talking about this issue. Um, this is something that has lingered for far too long within the OWASP organization, and it's something that we need to tackle. And so, you know, my, my goal, you know, whether I get elected or not, um, is before I finish out this term, before the end of December, I want to have a solution for this problem. And so, you know, like I said, I put out a proposal a few days ago um, on the governance and the board list. I'm kicking around ideas right now. Um, we've had some good discussion around that. And my goal is to take that proposal and turn it into a very formal uh, policy for how this all works before, you know, before the end of the year. So, Bill, one of the dilemmas that we have is that people are willing to volunteer for OWASP, but many times they don't know specifically uh, what they can do to help. What would you do to, to help them through the process? So I, I agree with that sentiment. I think people who come into OWASP and are new to it perhaps are overwhelmed by the number of projects we have and the number of opportunities to volunteer and I think something that OWASP could really do to help them uh, give that valuable time is to point out uh, projects where their help would be greatly appreciated, uh, either based on their interests or, I guess, if they're feeling lucky, they can spin the Wheel of Fortune and 
randomly assigned to a project uh, to help them out. And I think that'd be a great way to get uh, to welcome in new members, our new volunteers, and to to put them to uh, you know use their time and energy uh, to help further the mission of OWASP. Josh. Yeah, so I would say my comments earlier about initiatives uh, go for this topic as well. Um, initiatives aren't always about money. It's not always about how much money anybody has in their account. Sometimes it's about time, and it's about needing additional resources and people to help with an idea. Um, and we actually... I want to say a year or so ago, um, we started an OWASP initiatives uh, page. And you can actually go, if you Google OWASP initiatives, I think it's the first link that comes up. It's a page on the wiki for OWASP initiatives, global strategic focus. And if you look um, you know, about two paragraphs down, there's a link that says start your own initiative. And if you have an idea that you want to create an initiative around, you can do that. Um, likewise, there's a, a tab at the top for active initiatives. And if you click on that, you can see all the different initiatives that are, are out there. And I think that we don't do a very good job as a foundation in promoting this resource, but I, that's kind of my idea is we need to start driving more people to this. And instead of this idea of chapters or projects and, you know, they need money or they need people, you know, it, it's hard to ask and say, I'm Zap, I need, you know, people and I don't want pick on, on Zap or anything, but, you know, it's hard to say, I need people and not have an idea of, you know, what you're volunteering for. Instead, it should be, I need somebody who has uh, graphic um, design experience to create this infographic. That's something that somebody can look at. They can say, hey, I have that experience. I want to help. And they can actually contribute to an idea instead of this, you know, kind of nebulous idea of a project or a chapter. Bill, in the time we have remaining here, I'd like to give you a chance, like 30 seconds, to summarize why people should support you for the board. Why are you running specifically, and why would people vote for you? Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, I'm running for the board because I would love to see the board mature its processes and governance. And that's the area of focus that I volunteer personally in, in OWASP. And it's the reason I've been running for the last three years is because I still see that as an area where I could make the most impact. Thank you. Josh? Yeah, I, I would say that I'm running because I care about OWASP. I, I hope that's clear to people that I have a passion uh, you know, for what I'm doing and and. You know, I, I generally like to be, or genuinely like to be here. Um, you know, I feel like I've been successful in making some changes over the last year and a half or so. Um, but I feel like there's still more to be done. And so, you know, my goal over, you know, if I get reelected, is to continue doing what I've been doing, to challenge, you know, the, the status quo to say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't the best way to do things. We should do this, to try and eliminate you know, vendor focus from OWASP and, and make it more agnostic and, you know, give the power back to the people, right? We want chapters and projects to have their say in how things work. You know, a lot of the initiatives that we've done around the, um, you know, bringing back the committees and things like that is all an effort uh, that I've driven because I want to see, you know, people be successful within OWASP. So, you know, if I get reelected, um, you know, my goal is to just keep doing what I've been doing. We've been talking to Bill Curry in Luxembourg, Europe, potential board member. Uh, good luck to you, Bill. Thank you so much.
And we've been talking to Josh Sokol in Austin, Texas, current board member running for re-election. Good luck to you, Josh. Thank you very much, Mark. Good luck to you too, Bill. Thank you. You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller. OWASP 24-7 is sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide, and CAT Scan from Proactive Risk.